Highly appropriate, Texas dead, as uh, we are nearing a monumental piece of legislation being passed by Governor Abbott. And I'm talking about HB 957, the Texas Suppressor Freedom Bill. What would that mean exactly? How can you legalize something that is banned on a federal level? Well, State Representative Tom Oliverson of Cyprus is the sponsor of that bill, and he is set to join us right now on episode 12 of Campfire Conversations. Without further ado, let's dive into that topic because it is a fascinating one, and as a lifelong Texan, it's one that just has me oozing with uh, with pride for this great state. Representative Oliverson, thanks so much for taking time for us today. Certainly appreciate it. Thank you, Cable. It's really good to be with you. I appreciate being invited onto your show. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So you're you're joining us from work. Um, you are an uh, anesthesiologist, is that correct? That's right. That's right. I've been a, a, a anesthesiologist in the Houston area for the last 15 years. Okay. And, uh, and I like to tell people now that I'm in politics, too, that I have more than one way of making you sleepy. I can talk to you, talk to you, and if that doesn't work, I have stronger methods. <laughs> Great, that's awesome. Um, well, before we discuss HB nine five seven, let's get to know you a little bit. Uh, now, do you yeah. hunt or uh, shoot? I do. Frequently? Yeah, I I do all of the above. Um, I love to hunt. I I was actually born in Minnesota. We moved to the Houston area when I was five, so. I've also done a lot of fishing in my life, um, you know, everything from redfish uh, and specks here on the coast to uh, northern pike and ice fishing up north and uh, oh, yeah. walleye. Um, and recently on Lake Conroe, I, I caught, uh, we didn't weigh them, we probably should have, but there's a, there are plenty of pictures on Twitter, uh, just a record largemouth bass that I, I don't have any idea. I mean, it was just the biggest bass i've ever seen in my life the thing was huge like sherlocker um, big like 13 pounds the guide said he thought somewhere around 11 pounds oh wow that's awesome so i mean i could have put my fist you know probably both both fists in his mouth it was just enormous i've, I've yeah. never seen a large mouth that big but wow. uh yeah i've i hunt um i haven't actually gone in the last couple of years but uh i do like to hunt um you know, deer, um, quail, dove. I've been, uh, the only thing I've not done yet, uh, is turkey hunting in Texas. I've been mm -hmm. goose hunting, duck hunting, quail, dove. Uh, I love hog hunting. I actually, my, my, uh, two favorite rifles in my double safe arsenal. Uh, one is a 300 blackout, uh, AR made by, um, 
Mr. Noveski himself before he passed away. Oh, wow. And uh, has a, that was actually my first suppressor was mm -hmm. made for that rifle. Um, that's a really good hog gun. But I also have a 4570 lever action Marlin brush gun that's got sort of the, the ghost ring side on the front, stainless steel. Um, and that thing is a beast. I mean, yeah. you can, whatever you hit with that knows it's been hit by something large <laughs> yeah. and probably isn't getting back up again. <laughs> I love those Marlin lever actions. I uh, just recently acquired my grandfather's for my cousin. He doesn't hunt and um, he was more interested. I traded him a self-defense shotgun for it. So I think I made yeah. out in that deal, but uh, yeah, it was That's cool awesome. to, to get that. Did you know, uh, I, I don't know how many of your listeners know this, but um, the 4570 government was actually Teddy Roosevelt's preferred hunting round. He was quite a, mm. a hunter and uh, as outdoorsman as well. And um, that, that, is, that round has just uh, withstood the test of time. Like, nothing you've ever seen. I mean, probably secondary only to maybe the 30 odd six that 4570 yeah. is just, uh, you can go anywhere in North America and hunt anything pretty much you need to with that. I'm sure he took that to Africa as well. And, uh, yeah, hunted probably dangerous game over there. Yeah. I was reading one of his, um, autobiographies and sometimes Teddy didn't even take the 4570. He just took a knife and went and killed mountain lions with it. They used to hunt, uh, hunt them with hounds and, you know, we still do that today. That's right. We don't really dispatch them with, with knives like he would go in and do. So, yeah, he was a real. It, it is man. interesting <laughs> when you think about how hunting has evolved when you read some of his stories. The other one that kind of blows me away uh, is uh, he was hunting somewhere near Lano. I think actually probably based on the description, you know, he's a very descriptive writer. Mm -hmm. It sounds like he was kind of near Lano State Park. But, um, he went, he went at night with his brother and they were shooting turkeys out of the tree while they were roosting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, conservation. Like, yeah, I can't do that anymore. Then. Yeah. But, right. but he is the, the godfather of, of modern day conservation. Mm -hmm. um, but it's great to visit with a, a politician who much like Teddy uh, hunts and shoots. And um, I know a lot of them uh, are certainly pro second amendment, but I don't know how right. many, of you guys actually uh, partake and you know a lot of it's like time you guys are so busy you have a career and your politics uh, so obviously a lot of irons in the fire um i recently got my first two suppressors took about six months which was on the short end of the stick i was thrilled to get them in such a short amount yeah, of time but you're lucky you know, yeah uh, expensive atf tax stamp to acquire them now historically the national firearms act of 1934 mandated that all suppressors be approved and registered with the ATF. And I, you know, this article I was reading um, said a lot of that had to do with, with gang and uh, the mafia and stuff like that. Shootings like the Valentine's day massacre, um, which I guess there was a lot of backlash to, to those shooting sprees, mass murders in the day. Um, but it seems like it's been the same way for so long. Uh, now we have here in 2021, your bill, HB 957, would theoretically make suppressors manufactured in Texas exempt from federal law. Now, it seems that's like right. that's a great idea. Obviously, I'm 100% for it. But how it seems like there'd be a lot of hoops to jump through to make that uh, reality. How do you how do you bypass federal law? Yeah, well, I mean, the short answer is you really can't um, completely. But what uh, you can 
what you can do is you can opt out of local state resources being used. And that's well-established precedent. The Supreme Court has actually ruled in favor of the states in four separate cases going all the way back to the 1830s. It's called the anti-commandeering doctrine. And basically the idea is if the state believes that a federal law is unconstitutional, um, it doesn't have to wait for the Supreme Court to act. It can basically declare that uh, pass a law at the state level saying that state and federal law enforcement resources cannot and will not be used in enforcing this particular federal law. And when they do that, essentially they take away about 80% of the regulation because statistically speaking, about 80% of law enforcement activity around federal law is performed by local and state resources, local and state law enforcement agencies. So it's not a, um, a minor thing. It's a pretty significant decrease. Now, um, going back to what you had said earlier, I, so I was always told that the, uh, and I'm sure you've probably heard this too, that the suppressors were kind of added to the NFA um, mainly because of concern of, of poaching um, and, and hunting illegally. Suppressors historically have an insanely low rate of use uh, in criminal activity. I, right. The statistic I saw was that we could only find four c- cases in the history of the NFA where a suppressor was actually used in a criminal activity. Um, it's just not. But the thing that really got my attention and the reason that we sort of move forward with this Um, There was a study that was published that uh, you may be familiar with in 2014 by the CDC in combination with NIOSH, which is the National Organization of, uh, or Institute of, I'm sorry, it's the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health. Mm -hmm. And they were looking at reducing permanent hearing loss for folks that work in and around gun ranges and firearms and training. And their number one recommendation was the use of firearm suppressors whenever possible. Hmm. Um, and I thought, my goodness, there it is. You know, we now, so we have the ATF that, that classifies these as dangerous devices, even though, you know, over almost a hundred years worth of case law would say that they're not dangerous right. devices because they're not actually used in criminal activity. Uh, and then on top of that, you have a second federal agency declaring that they're not, they're a safety device. So, Mm -hmm. you know, is it a dangerous device? Is it a safety device? Well, the state of Texas should say that it's a safety device and not a dangerous device. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of why we went in the direction. So the bill does a couple of really interesting things. In addition to prohibiting the federal uh, laws from being enforced using state and local resources, which, which is significant, uh, as you pointed out, it also, um, establishes basically a, a a safe harbor for suppressors that would be manufactured in the state of Texas um, using materials here in the state of Texas. It already takes into account sort of this, you know, proposed workaround. Well, you know, well, the steel didn't come here. So it, it sort of says, you know, raw materials are um, obviously we're not going to force you to mine the iron ore or the, uh, you know, from some hill here in Texas and then refine it into steel here. But the point is, is if you begin with the basic raw materials and you manufacture a device 
here in Texas and you stamp it made in Texas, we declare that that does not violate the interstate commerce clause or cannot be regulated by the interstate commerce clause. And it actually requires the attorney general of the state to, upon receiving information that a manufacturer in Texas intends to manufacture devices according to the provisions of the law, requires the attorney general to go to federal court and seek a declaratory judgment that this does not violate uh, federal law or the constitution. So Mm. it's essentially declaring that Texas is going to do this. um, And we want basically the court to agree that this is not a violation of federal law. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Now, would that mean that there would no longer be a $200 tax stamp? That's right. So you you would have that option. Now, I I mean, I want to be clear to all your listeners too, because I want everybody to understand what you're getting into. Um, There is one other state where this has been done. I believe it was Kansas. Yeah. In fact, I'm pretty sure it was Kansas. There was a a gentleman there who actually was prosecuted by the ATF under federal law, even though the state basically opted out. Um, And so, you know, it's still technically against federal law until they actually remove the device from the NFA, which I think is the purpose of the, the Hearing Protection Act at the federal level that they've been trying to pass for several years. But if you think about how states have basically preempted other things that um, marijuana, you know, like marijuana, mind. right, yeah. exactly. I think cable, that's the perfect one is marijuana, right? Yeah. So Colorado says, you know, we don't think this should be a controlled substance. So you know, if you want to send agents in here to do whatever, knock yourself out, but we're not going to help you. Mm-hmm. And the feds kind of lose interest at that point because they de- are so dependent on state and local resources to be able to do it. But to be clear, I mean, in theory, you're still technically breaking a federal law. Mm-hmm. They could still prosecute you under federal law, although we make it clear that it would not be a violation of the interstate commerce clause, which is a step farther than others have gone in the past. Okay. Um, and the part about the attorney general having to get a declaratory judgment ahead of time, hopefully kind of resolve some of those things. Um, so I don't know, like if I was a, if I was a, a class three license holder, I'm not sure I would immediately jump out there and try to be a manufacturer of these devices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you could be risking your class three license right, for right. other things, right? But, well, you know, that would not preclude somebody else from manufacturing these devices and an individual purchasing them and then essentially keeping them in their possession, hunting with them, going to the shooting range with them, using them. And then I guess you'd have to, you know, the ATF would basically have to somehow become aware that you actually had one of these devices. Mm-hmm. So before they could the, even take action against you. So it's right. not it's not a perfect thing from a standpoint of there's no way for the state to basically prohibit the federal government from enforcing federal law. As far as we can go is to just say, look, this this is not a crime in the state. We think this is an inappropriate federal law. So we object. We opt out. You can't use our resources to enforce it. And furthermore, we don't believe the Interstate Commerce Clause applies here either. So we think you're on very shaky footing if you come to our state and try to enforce this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As far as the, the safety aspect, I mean, there's times where I'm in the elk woods with my buddy and he's like, did you hear that bugle? Or did, did you hear that Turkey gobble? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't hear anything. It's because, you know, years of, of abuse of shooting 
and as I got older, I started wearing hearing protection, but the damage was, was, was already done. Um, those suppressors that I have now are a game changer. And when I think about my kid, like they also reduce recoil, which makes you a better shot. If you're not, you know, better shooting habits, all of these things play into the equation there. Um, it passed in the Senate on party lines, 18 to 31, the house actually got some bipartisan support from some Democrats, 95 to 51. I was a little surprised by that. I was not. Um, and so let me say a couple of things about that. So this is actually the second time we filed this bill. We passed it out of the House in 2019 and we had bipartisan support as well. And it died in the Senate. Um, they just didn't want to take it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so fortunately, some shuffling of the deck chairs and more friendly committee placements and things like that. Uh, once the bill got a hearing in the Senate, they had, as you pointed out, it was an 18 to 13 uh, decision. They, they had the support to pass it, um, but it was one of these things last session where we didn't get it moving in the Senate because the people who were in a position to move it or not move it as uh, you know, the chairs of the committees and stuff, they were not necessarily big fans of the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, in the House, though, I would tell you that uh, the House is actually, in my opinion, much stronger on the Second Amendment. Uh, and to your point, we have probably about 15, 12, 15 Democrats. Most of all, I think almost all of them represent districts that are south of I-10 and heading all the way down to the border. Um, you know, to your point, I mean, you said it's nice to talk to somebody who appreciates the shooting sports and actually gets out there and hunts and fishes and stuff like that. I mean, that that is a that is a South Texas thing, and um, and those reps are definitely representing their districts. Those those folks they may be Democrat and party, but um, they are they, you know they enjoy the Second Amendment themselves. I tell you, uh, Chairman Terry Canales, for example, um, from down in the Valley area, he's the chair of transportation, Democrat he has more guns than anyone I've ever met in my life. I mean, that, that guy likes to collect uh, firearms. Uh, he's a great shot, uh, loves to hunt and fish, um, and just enjoys the shooting sports like you've never seen. So it is kind of interesting when you think about it, that you would have this group of Democrats that are so enmeshed. I, I had another Democrat, um, who came up to me while I was laying the bill out last time in the hearing and he was asking questions about the bill and I was trying to answer his questions. I was like thinking, Oh, is he helping me? Is he hurting me? And finally he, he just leaves the mic. He comes up to me and he whispers in my ear and he says, look, I own one of these devices. I'm just trying to figure out, is this bill making it easier for me to get a second one or is it making it harder? (laughs) (laughs) I was like, good for you. Yeah. So, oh. so yeah, the Second Amendment definitely uh, is beloved uh, by a lot of our, our House members. Uh-huh. And uh, I will say one other thing that was interesting. Uh, I had a great Senate sponsor this time, who's my former desk mate, uh, Drew Springer, Senator Springer. Mm. And, uh, and that guy's also an avid outdoorsman. In fact, uh, the last time he and I went hunting together, we were alligator hunting. Um, and it was, uh, it was very much a swamp people kind of, you know, shooting where, where are we all shooting alligator hunting at? Uh, around Galveston Bay okay. area there, kind of up, up near, um, uh, Mont Bellevue. Okay. I've taken kinda a couple just, alligators close to you up around, uh, Winnie. Um, 
Oh yeah. Well, this wasn't that, that far. Yeah. Okay. Kind of in that same uh, Chambers County sort of area. Cedar Bayou, I think is what they call it up there. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So we were I'm trying to remember exactly where we were, but um, not too far from Mont Bellevue. Kind of did right, you get a right gator? Around there. I did actually. Nice. Um, it's amazing to me that the, that you, you know, all you need there is a 22 Magnum. Um, but it needs to be a well-placed shot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and that, and that's what you need for gator hunting. But yeah, I got, I got a, he's probably about, uh, eight and a half, nine foot long gator. Nice. And, uh, so it was, you know, not, not like enormous, but good size. It was a good first hunt. I think yeah. a lot of people are lucky to, to get one the first time out and, and certainly lucky to hit it on the first shot. Right. Right. Because uh, they're all thrashing around and everything. It's not like they're oh, holding still. It's a trip for sure. I, I <laughs> actually got mine turned into some boots. So you want to talk about a, a great conversation piece? Yeah. Hey, yeah, I'm actually absolutely. walking around in this thing that I shot. And, uh, <laughs> That's right. That's yeah, exactly and eight right. Too. So, so, so um, Springer was a great, uh, he was, he's a great ally. Um, he is, he's actually done stuff on suppressors before himself legislatively. He's been there a couple more sessions than I have, but he was my desk mate last session. So this session we, um, we were like, Hey, let's, let's do suppressor freedom again. Only this time you can, you can, I can hand off to you in the Senate and you can carry it home. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. Um, he actually got some questions uh, that I had never even gotten in the Senate, which was whether or not, you know, law enforcement in a lot of our urban areas now installs these sensor devices on telephone poles that detect a gunshot. Mm. And so the Democrats allege that, well, if we let you have a suppressor that's unregistered, you know, then you won't, these devices won't be able to hear the gunshot. Well, it was interesting because Senator Springer's went to the website and he actually found that in fact, the manufacturer's explanation of their own device says that in fact they can hear suppressed gunfire that it's mm. capable of detecting that so um, that was a little bit of, of falsehoods there and these but, things are uh, on just telephone wires they, to do. they they said they're put up on like light poles and telephone poles oh. and stuff like that it's some sort of I never sensor that. device i yeah. i had never heard of that either but not apparently that i'm that's... firing off my 45 in the neighborhood but i yeah, i had <laughs> no idea right. that's uh that's right interesting huh um so this thing, it's uh, it would prevent the local and state agencies from enforcing federal law. Okay, that's great. Right, and that would so, include the game wardens as well. Okay, um, why now? Like, it's interesting that you introduced it in 2019 as well. But we, it seems like we've seen across the country, due to the Biden administration, just the threat of them attacking the Second Amendment. I'm, I'm sure you found some hilarity in the uh, Chipman hearing a couple weeks ago when he refused <laughs> to define what an AR 50 or an, what an assault rifle is. Yeah. It probably doesn't even know. It's yeah. just a politician um, term. Right. But we've seen it across the country on the state level of, of not, not um, always dealing with suppressors, but constitutional carry other pro gun legislation, because I think when people say we want to take your guns, I, I think they mean yeah. it. And it's ignorant to think, oh, it's just lip service. No, if they're saying that, that's what they want to do. So, yeah, Cable, I completely agree with you. I think that's exactly right. And and to your point, I think then it becomes very natural response for not only voters, but also the people that they elect to represent them 
to naturally respond to that with a sense of, well, I'm going to protect my second amendment turf even more vigorously than I normally would. And I'm mm-hmm. going to be very open to uh, ways that we can kind of expand our freedoms and our protections and reassert um, the importance of these constitutionally guaranteed rights because mm-hmm. of the threat, right? I wouldn't necessarily be thinking about it because I'm not worried that maybe the Trump administration is going to come and give me a hard time. Right. But I definitely think the Biden administration might. So now is the time where we have to legislatively, through lawmaking, really assert uh, those rights and, and just make it clear that, yeah. hey, don't mess with Texas. Yeah, absolutely. So it currently sits on uh, the governor's desk. Well, it does. But I have some important, some interesting news. And that is that uh, on the 16th of this month, the governor will be having a press conference in San Antonio at the Alamo, uh, signing a few bills, uh, including constitutional carry and our suppressor freedom bill. Oh, awesome. Uh, yeah. And so I can't think of any more appropriate place in Texas than, you know, in the shadow of the Alamo to be asserting our rights to protect ourselves and defend ourselves as, as Texans. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. Very cool stuff. We'll look forward yeah. to that. And uh, I know you've got to run, get back to work. Thank you so much yeah. for your time. I hope that uh, our paths cross again. It's been yeah, my most pleasure. enjoyable visiting with you. Thank you, Cable. It's been a pleasure to be on your show and uh, happy to come back anytime, my friend. Thank you so much. Okay. God bless. Take care. All righty. Take care. Bye-bye. It's the fire in your belly. This is we're gone. still of the evening I slip off my head I pray that there will always be a Texas like